You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back Welcome for another back shift to on another the You Jerk. jerk. <laughs> I'm going to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we have to record at night so that Steven's not at top of his game. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that he was going to come in and do something, too. He was just he was acting a little too quiet. <laughs> Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are here to talk about episode five of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. John, and with- what episode would that be? Yeah, There's a word for this that you yes. love. This is the second to the last episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. there's like another term though that they use for that specific episode, John. Come on, John. The- the semi-final. That's right. The no! semi-final episode. I, I love that song. <laughs> Isn't that like pre, pre-pubescent? Is that what he says? The pre, it's pre-something. <laughs> yep, yes. I don't know. The pre-pubescent episode. That's the one that yep, we're talking about it. tonight, folks. Oh, God. <laughs> This is this no. Is this just is just going uh, off the rails way too quickly. <laughs> For this, this is, early on a Saturday morning, this is way too quick. <laughs> this this is known as the Prima Nocta episode. No, uh. no, that's right. Welcome to the Prima Nocta episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier season one. Not better. Yeah, not better at all. <laughs> the word everybody is screaming at their podcast player right now is penultimate. The penultimate, penultimate. episode. <laughs> episode of the first season or only season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, what was the name of this episode called? Truth. Truth. There you go. Truth. Hashtag truth. Hath, hashtag truth. But before we get into that, I'm your host, Mitch. With me, as always, is... Elizabeth. And Stephen. That's me. And Jessica. Hello. And from the beginning, John... Hey, hey. <laughs> I want to first start off with asking the ladies who weren't here last week what they thought of the episode <laughs> that they missed. So I am personally very glad that I watched these episodes back to back because yeah. I was very upset at the end of last week's episode. But then I got to read the description for this week's episode and I was like, okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. But... um she got the instant gratification of seeing John Walker pay for his crime. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, while the U.S. government did not go as far as I would want them to, they went sufficiently far with the addition of the ass whooping that he got at the beginning of this episode. Um, but. But last week's episode, that's what we're talking about. Oh, last weird. week's episode. Last week's episode. I. It went kind of exactly the way I anticipated it to go in terms of from each scene. Um, I thought the actor who plays Zemo did a, did a wonderful job at really showing what his skill set is. 
because, you know, he takes on all of these superhumans, super soldiers, all of those things. And you often wonder, how can he? And it's because he doesn't, he knows not to let them use their skills to their advantage. Yeah. He doesn't come at them directly on. He doesn't, you know, he uses other skill sets, which I thought were very well displayed in the last episode. Um, so, you know, I, I thought the last episode was very good up until the end where I was very upset. But then I got, <laughs> I got instant gratification <laughs> no. and just desserts, so I'm fine. Jessica? Think he, oh, sorry, um, Stephen. Oh, go ahead, Stephen. I was going to say, he is doing a very good job of being the, like, on-the-ropes version of Batman. Like, yeah, running yeah. out of money, trying to still stay, stay against people, like, that have powers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did. I think I upset Mitch, though, in the discussion of the fact that I, while I don't agree with his means, I definitely agree with Zemo. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I definitely, yes, absolutely. There needs to be oh. checks on... Anybody who is like, to me, the concept of super soldiers, it's not something you want. So essentially what Elizabeth's saying is that she's pre, she's pro registration. Yeah. (laughs) No, absolutely. Well, I mean, quite honestly, to me, it's the same. I would just rather have them not exist, to be quite honest, because to me, it's no different than the creation of the nuclear bomb. Like you didn't get rid of war. You didn't stop terrorism you didn't get rid of the threats all you do is up the level up the gameplay mm-hmm. like you, mm-hmm. this is not the solution for world peace if that's what you're looking for that's yeah. there is no way that the creation of superhumans does that because they will always be corruptible and i think the show particularly in the last few episodes has really shown that okay jessica what did you think of the episode uh so <laughs> i did get spoiled um, before I watched it, I watched it pretty much as soon as I could have, but I saw on Twitter, like that shot of Captain America with the bloody shield. And I was like, oh, so sure enough, I was like instantly that guy that's talking about how much he looked up to Captain America. I was like, that's going to be the one that he kills, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it. And even then, even when it ended up being so, I was so I actually got really sad over the thought that he liked the representation of that shield and he dies by it. Like to me, that was very poetic in a tragic way. And I was like, Oh God, like, Oh man. And then all the cameras and all that. And just no, he's, he's going to get punished for it. Like there's no way he's not going to get punished for it because it was seen. Um, Of course, if he wasn't seen, he probably would not oh, have gotten yeah, punished no. for it, but he would have gotten a medal um, of honor. But, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> another um, medal of honor. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I'm going to say this wrong. Dora Milaje. Dora. Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Yeah, their scene was just beautiful. I loved it. I could use more of them. I love them. Um, I I did. I loved Zemo in that episode. I'm having to go back because I watched this like six days ago so but no i it was a really really good episode i liked the point of view you got from carly i liked sam trying to talk down carly and did of course not working out because captain america which i can't even remember what the crap the character's name is but captain america john wyatt 
Or yeah. John, John Walker. No, that's not the name. Thank you. Wyatt <laughs> Russell and John Walker. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fire. Yeah. Um, that was that was good. I did like how you got kind of like an instant consequence with Lamar dying and Carly. Although Carly was clearly okay with killing people because she blew up people. She clearly was not quite okay with that one. I feel like she was like, oh, I did not mean to. And that very much is a repercussion to getting strength that you don't know your limits of. Now, I don't know if she, like, I might have actually also been the realization. She's like, oh, I just, I messed up. Like, I just killed his friend. Like, I felt like I, it was the first time that she's had been responsible for someone's death and been in the room for the consequence. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. to see it. Which I'd like to know, that kind of death is like my horrifying thing like when everybody like somebody gets shoved and dies like that's my worst nightmare which happens in a lot of things but it's just <laughs> like i think um like those fences that have like the spikes anytime i walk by them i just always see those scenes when somebody just gets launched into them and dies because it's just <laughs> you know it's just how you fall sometimes so I feel like those deaths always have more impact than like getting blown up or getting shot because like that's a typical way. Whereas this is like, no, you can legit just fall the wrong way and die or get pushed the wrong way and die. So that was I was like, oh, but like, but I guess it was and it, it was surprising, but it was also like something that had to happen too. I think for John Walker's development into where he was heading when he took the serum and which he clearly was going to take the serum when he took it. But uh, okay. it was a good episode. So now that we've recapped the last week's episode, let's get into our week's watch. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So this week, the only thing I had time for that you're not going to talk about is the uh, Death of the Incredible Hulk from 1990, which yeah. Mitch was watching for uh, Journey into Mystery. That's right, which John was a guest on for there this particular episode. So I actually, so because Mitch has been watching these old superhero movies, I have been also watching them. Um, And while there is plenty of terrible uh, stunts and special effects, just because it's 1990 versus today, I do think that uh, the Incredible Hulk series have probably been my favorite of the old ones. I think the acting is much better than the acting in the old Captain America ones, (laughs) (laughs) by far. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the part that I found really funny, and so this movie, uh, David Banner, because apparently Mitch was telling me when we were watching this, Bruce was deemed to be too homosexual of a name. According, huh? according yeah. to the producer of the show, when in back in the 1970s, they did Bruce. not want to use the name Bruce because it sounded too homosexual. They, I, I, did they I, have a really big thing against Batman? They were like, nah. I guess they just felt, I mean, most people just felt Batman could overpower the, the, the homosexual vibe, I guess. I don't know, but that's... Or that's maybe how. it was a direct result of the Adam West version. They're like, nah, man, that's way too effeminate. 
So? I, I have no idea. But that was that was one of those things that I was just like, wait, what? Because I was very confused why he kept getting called David. I was like, oh, is that his like, you know, fake name that he's like, so nobody knows who he is? And Mitch was like, no, 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 that's really what they're calling him. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that's okay. So David Banner poses as a janitor in a lab. Uh, for somebody who is trying to essentially recreate his gamma radiation, radiation mm-hmm. experiment. S- experiment. Um, and so he basically ends up working with the scientist to try and undo the effects of becoming the Hulk. And somewhere in here, there is a spy network that n- Mitch says they're Russian, but I swear <laughs> they never, it, it is never said who they work for or what their mission is. It's just say it continually just says for the cause for the cause. And I'm like, what is the cause? Nobody explains what the cause is. I'm convinced they have a fairly Israeli accent. Mitch is convinced they have a Russian accent. I don't know. John, what did you think? I just could never uh, figure out. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Oh, no. Yeah. I assume they were Russian also. But it's never said. And I will tell you that Wikipedia doesn't say either. Like, they just, (laughs) nobody knows. Nobody knows who the bad guys are actually supposed to be. They are just a spy network. They're for Um, sure communists. They're for sure Yeah, I don't know. So the the lady in it, the The character, is supposed to be a Black Widow kind of counterpart. So thus, Uh, Russian. Is that the assumption? Okay. Um... So, because this spy network is trying to get at the same formula to prevent, to basically take control of it. Again, you have this whole fight over super soldier serums. (laughs) This is the reason that they shouldn't exist. But, in any case. (laughs) Someone's going to develop it. It might as well be our side, too. Or maybe just nobody develop it. Maybe we just don't need it. Anyway. uh, No. Do you not understand how humans work? I'm perfectly clear that what I think should happen is not the way the world actually works. I, I am in touch enough with reality for that. Right, I, I'm I'm with you here on this one, though. Oh, yeah, right? no, I get it. It's now, what did you think of the actual death of the Hulk? It was very anticlimactic. <laughs> like he's like, well, it that was the world's longest fall. Is true. <laughs> like it goes on. The scene of him falling out of the airplane goes on for a solid five minutes. Like he's just falling, and they keep cutting to the other people watching him fall, and then he's falling, and then other people watching him fall, and then he's falling, and then other people watch it, and it just and it just goes and goes and goes, and then all of a sudden, boom, he hits the ground. But there's nothing else. Like there's no. No real death scene. <laughs> and that's just how it ends. It just ends it right just, there, too, boom. with him on the ground. <laughs> Done. That's so, it? That's, that's the end it. of the movie? The yep. end of the movie. She runs over and says, he's dead, and done. Movie <laughs> goes to black. To black. <laughs> like, he's that's dead, it. Jim. He's dead, wow. Jim. So, yeah, because, and the woman, the, the love interest is a member of the spy network who he saves, and... Basically, she want, tries to convince him to run away, but he needs to rescue the scientist that he was working with and his wife. So then he dies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Again, more better than the Captain America movies of the same time period. <laughs> Still not great. <laughs> That's uh, what I watched this week. You, you can be happy to know that 
the the name of David Banner carries on into the Ang Lee Hulk movie that comes of out in two thousand three, two thousand three, two thousand four. Why? Just because I think that 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 particular movie was trying to capture the idea, like some of the stuff from that um, version of of the Incredible Hulk. Well, to it. be fair, so did the uh, the Edward Norton one. Well, they called him Bruce David Banner, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, going so far as to actually include the Lonely Man music. Oh yeah, yeah. Did not. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. They even have Lou Lou Ferrigno in in that version, like just not uh, as the Hulk, but as the security guard. Yeah. Is, so, oh, he's he doesn't appear in the Ang Lee version, also. I think he does. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. In any case, if you want to hear people who actually know about <laughs> movies talk about <laughs> this movie, you can go over and listen to the Journey into Mystery podcast. That's right. Um, Ooh, and I have no idea where we watched this one from because it just appeared on the TV screen. Yeah, well, this one normally works. <laughs> Thanks to John, John found this one online. Someone had posted the whole movie to Facebook, so you can watch <laughs> it on Facebook. And. <laughs> I should also confirm as well, give credit where credit is due. The only reason I even thought to look there was because of Jess's previous suggestion for when we watched The Wall on VHS Gems. Mm -hmm. I was like, if that was on there, why not? Let's take a look. And holy shit, there it is. The whole movie. (laughs) Fan sites on Facebook. Fan sites. Because it was like a Pink Floyd fan site that had posted the entire The Wall movie. Because, yeah, we weren't finding it anywhere else. Really? That's not streaming anywhere. That's yeah, surprising. I own it, so like, I was good, but I was like, oh, I don't know how John's going to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I've been trying to figure out how many pounds of force the Hulk would have hit the Earth with, <laughs> and it's taken a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd have to calculate into in in his density though. Like he's more dense that's, than the more the normal person. That's the hard part. So here, like, I t- so I took a, I took a thing for a car because why not? Okay. With muscle density. Right. So a 3,000 pound car, um, like, well, that's at 70 miles per hour. So we have to, like, at least double it because it, um, ter- terminal velocity would be about double what the, the mileage of this thing is. Mm-hmm. So fi- it would be something like 31 million pounds of force. <laughs> so wait, you mean he would have actually, like, broken through the asphalt that he just cracked oh, in yeah. the movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, there would have been a big old hole. <laughs> yeah, it would have been like a crater. From what... You know, not to get too far off the topic, but in <laughs> lieu of how producers in the 70s felt about the Bruce uh, Banner name versus David Banner, I suppose. Um, if you've, I know Mitch has definitely seen this. I, I don't know if anyone else has. But Kevin Smith had some interesting things to say about what the producer of Superman thought of the Superman suit in one of his stand-up specials where he mm-hmm. talks about the the making of. And let's just say it's less than progressive. Uh, that producer, who himself was a hairdresser, had some very not negative just, things about... Not just a hair, hairdresser, Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. Ooh. Yeah. Babs? Babs. <laughs> Babs. And, uh, yeah, so the... The, fir- the very first evening with Kevin Smith has a great story about his time working on the Superman movie with Nicolas Cage that never happened. And um, yeah, so those those uh, mindsets still carried on well into the 90s. Wait, probably Nicolas are still Cage there today. Was supposed to be Superman? He was. There's, there's a movie about that. So oh, yes, yeah. you should also go watch John Schnepp's documentary, Whatever Happened to the Death of Superman? 
I think is what no, it's the, called. The Death of Superman Lives. The Death of Superman Lives. That's what it is. Uh, yes. After Tim Burton directed uh, the 1989 Batman uh-huh. and 1991 Batman Returns, they wanted him to direct Superman. And his idea was wow. to have Nicolas Cage play Superman and Kal-El. And they did they did um, screenshots or screen tests with different versions of the suit. They had all kinds of concept art put up there. John Peters is the hairdresser become who became a movie producer. Uh, he has the rights. He at the time had the rights to Superman. Did he also have the rights to Batman, John? Or is it just Superman? Uh, yes, because he he produced all of the Superman movies also. Okay, uh, uh, the yeah. Batman, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I think Michael Uslan has all the Batman rights. Um, but yeah, he his idea of... Because he's from the streets, as Kevin Smith tells the story. Uh, as Barbara Streisand's hairdresser? Correct. <laughs> that he wouldn't okay. want to see any certain word suits uh, it, for Superman. Um, but yes, go watch that. Do they realize that superheroes wear their underwear outside their pants? Like, I don't understand what the issue is. (laughs) (laughs) That was the issue. He didn't want to see it that way. Yeah, he didn't want to see it that way. It's so frustrating. It's, it's ignoring the entire origin of superheroes and that stuff. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's a long other conversation. That's That's an entirely different podcast. Okay. (laughs) So yes, go watch those. I think that's, uh. That's that's gonna be a future group watch. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, I can no. pass. <laughs> Not unless someone challenges you to it or trades off for it. I mean, we did watch Yodorowsky's Dune, so Boom. if I could get through that, yes, <laughs> and I still regret that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stephen, what did you watch this week? So for this week, honestly, I I watched a few different things here and there a lot of random new netflix sitcoms with naima my, my better half um but i can never find any good I, sitcoms on netflix no neither do we yeah okay that's what i was gonna say like <laughs> but they keep trying they do keep trying like that that one with kevin james that that thing's t- terrible that, yeah. the crew like that's bad um i tried i, I tried looking for something else. sorry steven i took over your thing oh, no you know you're okay no, 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 no. For this one, the the best one with a couple jokes here and there was uh, family reunion. I don't remember what it's called, but a couple jokes in passing from that one were like okay, but not a passable show all overall. But no, the thing I want to talk about is that I listened to the audio book for Anne McCaffrey's "To Ride Pegasus" and uh, Pegasus, or what, what is the other one? It's a, they put them together for some reason. Um, Pegasus in flight and "To Ride Pegasus." Uh, it's this 1997 really, really well done audio version of the thing where it's still just one narrator, but they, d- they did a fantastic job. But the whole, the whole reason I went back to this one is that this book series in general, especially towards the beginning end of the series, um, the talent series, were really, really good. They do this thing where the whole thing that spurs... Uh, anyone finding out about anyone having any kind of abilities or powers uh, all from the brain. No one has just like super strength or whatever in this um, is that there's, there's a guy who's supposed to have precognitive abilities. He's on TV, different stuff like that. Uh, and he gets um, this random brain injury or a, a random injury and they hook him up to an EEG as this cautionary measure. And he has a precognitive event during the time that he's hooked up to it. And so they get to actually catch 
this happening and show evidence of it. The, the thing for this one is that it was also written in like 1973, originally the first short story for this. And they did a fantastic job of hitting this fully realized, recognized kind of world of people with mental abilities. They, they hit all of the points of what they would need to still function to be any kind of part of society. They would um, have to have jobs, other kinds of like work immunity kind of things where they can't necessarily be blamed if something goes slightly off the rails because obviously people are going to attribute it to this like all powerful group. It, it's really interesting. They do, they do a good job of setting up some of the stuff that would come to pass in human history in general. Um, like as far as like socioeconomic issues and different stuff, as well as being incredibly diverse Hmm. in the people who are in the book. I, it's really, really good, and I can't recommend it m- more highly. Yep. Um, there's still a couple things in there because it's an old book where I'm like, mm, I don't know about this thing. But that's like two instances out of two novels. That's that's a pretty good batting average for, for a book from <laughs> 1973. Yeah. So, yeah, it, like I, I highly recommend it. So, yeah. Okay. I like it. The Pegasus flies. Uh, so to ride Pegasus and uh, Pegasus in flight. Pegasus in flight. Yeah. All right. I, mm. I, unfortunately, I don't think I have any other questions to ask <laughs> you about it. Anybody okay. else? If, if, if y'all like books, we do yeah. a book podcast also. There yeah. you go. Make sure you check out Love of Pages. Yeah. Jessica, what did you watch this week? Um. So... I have a couple things. Um, the first thing I'd like to talk about is I have moved on in the Marvel animated shows, and I'm now on 1995, 94 to 96 Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, specifically, the one part I could talk about is a 14-episode collection titled Neogenic Nightmare, <laughs> in which Spider-Man develops a mutation for some reason. which i've mentioned i watch these like before i go to sleep so it depends on how tired i am on if i fall asleep during the episode and i tweeted about this i literally fell asleep and then woke up to spider-man sprouting out like four more extra arms from his sides and i'm like what just happened (laughs) like what did i miss i got that he's mutating but what is happening um what's that creature has a name Yeah, they gave man him. spider. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. no there's I mean, um, like, yeah. there's a, there's another. Ah, uh, man. Yeah, because like uh, doppelganger. No, I don't know if it's doppelganger, but they kept on in this thing. They kept on referring it to him turning into a man spider as yep. opposed to a Spider Man, because eventually the end of it is Falcon. Yeah, Falcon ends up through science i don't know taking the mutation and he becomes the man spider thing where he legit just looks like a spider that walks like <laughs> it's creepy um i don't think i like this yeah no it's it's 14 episodes so you think that's a long time to establish something but literally there are so many crossovers within it i couldn't keep track of what was going on within the actual plot point like this had the x-men crossover it also had i think daredevil yeah maybe that was somebody else yeah daredevil it also had dr strange in an episode oh no that's the next one hold on dr strange pops up right after it um blade 
which was cool because I got to learn about Blade because I, I haven't seen the Blade movies. So it's nice to see like a comic book version of him before I actually try to watch the Blade movies. Um, <laughs> Mor- what is the name? Morbius? Morbius. Oh, Michael well. Morbius. Vampire. Yes, oh, God, good, good luck. Before Blade comes in. Yeah, that that was fun. It was <laughs> it was different. Um, Did they have the Punisher in there? I don't remember yes, if that's the when Punisher, they introduced the Punisher yes, or not. Punisher was there. Um, it's just, it was a lot every other episode. I couldn't keep track what was actually going on with Peter Parker because it's like, and I don't even think they would straight up him. introduce them slowly. It'd be like the start of the episode and Spider-Man is like, I'm going to work with Blade this time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, Blade? And Blade is in one episode. And within that episode, you get the entire Blade arc of him falling in love with like a police detective. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it happens so quickly that you're like, what just happened? <laughs> like, And then at the end, he goes away and she's like, well, guess I'm in love with a vampire. Eh, who needs love? And walks away and you're like, what? <laughs> I do and, remember the, and then she never comes back <laughs> Morbius's time in the Spider-Man cartoon I remember he said the person who he was in love with name so much Holy that shit. even as a, yeah. as a little kid I was like he's saying this too much this is bad dialogue <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the best of dialogues in the show as a whole in any of the 1990s really Marvel shows the dialogues really like plot but i mean it's made for kids and it's fox new fox mornings whatever so you don't need to expect the best he, writing he's in love with felicia it i don't i think it's felicia yeah i think yeah. that's the case i was gonna say she's gonna come back around <laughs> yeah yeah it's and yeah and like morbius ends up basically <laughs> and yeah turning it over but it, it's just <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. Because, like, before that, Peter Parker is, like, trying to choose between Felicia and Mary Jane. And I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, the amount of ego that this Spider-Man has <laughs> is just like, oh. And I kind of like Mary Jane in this version as well. She's very much, like, done with his crap mm. all the times. And she's she's just fun. But Spider-Man I don't like so much in this one. I definitely like... I probably still like Tom Holland's Spider-Man the best, writing-wise. <laughs> but I don't like a Spider-Man that's older. I don't know why. Well, okay, yeah. so I've, I've talked to other people about this one, and other people say they don't agree with this. But does Peter not look like a 35-year-old tennis coach throughout that entire cartoon? <laughs> he really it's does. It's the hair. It's the striped yeah. polo. The polo, yeah. Polo, yeah. He looks like... Mm, I would not be friends with Peter Parker. I'm on <laughs> You know what's so he's funny? He's like that nice guy. Like you're like, eh, you think you're nice, but you're not. Like that's what I, he comes across as. <laughs> I know that it's a common like cartoon thing. It's just because it's easier to animate that way. Uh, to have your characters always be in the same clothing, uh-huh. and 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 that show very much does that. Um, yeah. But watching Invincible every week this week, like now that it's out, like every time I see mark grayson in the same outfit that is his normal everyday clothes i'm like it's weird that they don't draw him in different clothes like it's always the same sweater with the the button up underneath and just the one tail tail. pull (laughs) through the through the bottom of the sweater and it pisses me off i'm like just either have him tuck that in or change clothes i need one or the other (laughs) this week was the worst one they were supposed to be did, did you watch this week's episode yes i did yeah 
they're supposed to be doing other like casual fun time stuff. And this dude's going around in like layers. Like he was like, he's an eight year old who got told he had to dress up for an event. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, has, have, have they done the, the John Jameson part of, uh, that Spider-Man show that you're talking about, Jessica? I, I, I don't know. You'd have to remind me more than just the name. He's John Jameson is, is, yeah, he's the astronaut. He's jo- uh, <laughs> Jonah's do- son. Yeah, that was Venom, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah they yeah. already did Venom. So yeah, that's they what, did Venom. Venom was right, right before this thing started. I think it led into the neogenic. That idea. makes sense. And then the lizard guy too. That's the doctor. Because essentially, <laughs> this TV show re retcons like the the origin story of the black suit and the venom mm-hmm. like we this is essentially this show makes it so that this is the better the 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 better origin of the sh- origin that they go with in the comic books even like to this day like they've retconned it so that it's not like because originally in the comic books he gets the suit in the secret wars and it just happens mm-hmm. to be a suit and now it's a, this whole symbiote thing from an alien world and a whole world of different symbiotes and stuff like that and uh-huh. it's even a big tie tie-in that's uh or crossover that's going on in marvel comics right now called king in black which is the original symbiote coming in and trying to be like look i'm the king of all symbiotes venom you need to shut the hell up kind of thing <gasps> Ooh, with, like, a weird god axe thing it's yeah, interesting yeah. it's a weird it's a weird i'm not reading it but to me uh, <laughs> hearing the peripherals it's all very strange i'm like venom being a big crossover event just seems strange to me <laughs> for, for all <laughs> they keep of marvel doing it. they do they keep it, doing it's it. not the first one it just seems like a weird one for me to for me to hear about Anyways, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up because like it's interesting how even the Batman the Batman nineties animated series and the Spider Man nineties animated series both very much um, uh, changed the course of those characters in the comic books. Hmm. I mean, it gave us Harley Quinn as a character, like the animated yeah. Batman series. Like it, without that show, you wouldn't have had that character in the comic books. The same thing happened for Transformers as well with Beast Wars and Beast Machines. That was just a time where everyone was like. All of these IPs are next to worthless right now. Let's just do whatever. I didn't even think about that. You're right. I mean, because Beast Wars is the first time you hear about the AllSpark, and now that's a that's a huge yeah. part of the Transformers uh, thing. Lore. Lore, thank you. Cool. Were you going to say something, John? Oh, no, yeah, I was saying, agreeing with all of that. Oh, I thought, I thought you had started saying something. Sorry. Uh, uh, I was gonna say something. Don't they do Secret Wars in the animated Spider-Man series also? They they do, but it's it's that towards the later end, though, right? That's at the very yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So they couldn't retroactively do the Spider-Man black suit since it was already there. Exactly. Yeah. And they yeah. definitely don't dive into it as much <laughs> as the comic book did. Uh, uh, you said you had more things to talk about, John? Is Jessica? Sorry. Yes, I did. Um, I did do our little movie switch, and last night I watched. Tango and Cash, which I'm surprised I did not know this movie existed. I am also surprised um, you didn't. Yeah. I know. Well, apparently my mom has seen it before, which also surprised me because it's very much rated R, so I don't see her liking it. But she's like, yeah, Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone. And I was like, wait, Sylvester Stallone is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching it, and it starts with Sylvester Stallone in like glasses and in a suit. And I was like, I kind of like this version of Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Like, what is it? I mean, the acting's still not solid, but like, <laughs> it's great. Um, this movie, I both liked it and hated it at the same time. <laughs> 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 like, 
it's just it's very much buddy cop which i like buddy cops but it like takes it to an extreme that i don't think i needed in some scenes like i don't mind rated r movies but the the torture scene in the jail i was like what is happening (laughs) where did this go we're straight up shocking like they should be dead i'm sorry they should be dead right now and they're not and it's the like witty back and forth is great, but it's so constant that you're kind of like done with it by the end of the film. Like, oh my god, just say you like each other already. Like, <laughs> just, just stop. Um, I liked um, Catherine or Kiki, which like first you think might be Sylvester Stallone's like girlfriend. She's actually a sister, and so of course it becomes Kurt Russell's gonna like her. So of course she becomes the hostage that the bad guy uses in the end. Um, Terry Hatcher. Yeah, Terry Hatcher. So Lois. Oh, Lois was a young Terry Hatcher. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I should. It it was it was fun movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just um, it's just kind of over the top ridiculous, which I guess is kind of what you want from a late nineteen eighties action buddy cop. Yep. Thing anyway. If you want over-the-top action in the 80s, you have to watch Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone. I mean, there's not really that much action in that. It's a lot of arm wrestling. <laughs> it has it has the most dramatic, high-stakes arm wrestling ever put on film. Ever put on film. I don't think there's a lot of other arm wrestling put on film. But. I'm so confused. I feel uh, like I might have seen that. But, because I remember Sylvester Stallone crazily arm wrestling. <laughs> but, but Tango and Cash is so over-the-top Kurt Russell has a gun in his boot. Not like he has a gun hidden in his boot. His boot is a gun. Is the gun? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, this only makes sense. <laughs> I love it. I love this movie so much in all of its, it's cheesiness. It's so cheesy. It's so like, oh my god, these are the worst cops ever. Like, but they're also the best cops ever. They're also the best cops ever, which is like. Yeah, which kind of, I feel like I watched it at the wrong time period, though, because, like, right now with what's going on in the world, seeing this is like, yeah, this is why we have problems like oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Glorify oh, yeah. This. yeah. Yeah, we very much glorify that good cop, bad cop thing. And this is why we get situations like this later on in society because we accept it in media. But anyway, <laughs> that's a bigger conversation. If I pull back from reality and be like, no, this is a fun time, it was cops. The, the bad guy with the rats <laughs> just, just holding the rats and saying I love you and I'm like I love rats too dude but like what is your deal <laughs> like I don't know it's just in the TVs and the I don't know it was and Kurt Russell shirtless <laughs> but, like, <laughs> actually you get full buff from behind of both of them which is that's true. Showers I mean, that in the was, prison. Showers in the prison. That Very was great. Very muscular. It, it, of course, and then, but then, of course, it's the the soap drop scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think like, about it, and it's just. Hey, like, it was uh, the eighties. It was the eighties, and that's just it. I, if you like eighties action, you're gonna like it. Which part of me really loves eighty action? So I liked it, but another part of me is like nowadays. I just see everything that's just so not okay <laughs> anymore. That you're like, oh, but then well, you're like, you know what? Just detach. It's if, a fun 80s action film that has a crazy monster truck battle sequence. I mean, you can watch the remake from 2019. It's just called Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> the same movie. Oh, 
my god. Wait, I missed is. I missed the super soldier in the original though. That's what? fair. There's no super soldier in um, oh, 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 yeah, that's true. Yes, yeah, so yeah. the, the bad guy changes, but literally everything yeah. else is the same. <laughs> you know what, though? N- nowadays, you can just refer to Tango as Cash as uh, Ego and King Shark. That's true. You will be <laughs> yeah. able to do that now. I mean, Sylvester Stallone was also in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, though. Yeah, but what's that, what was that guy's name? Yeah, no know. one knows. It's Who okay. Cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it just upset Guardian me that stuff. there wasn't a scene with Ego and Sylvester Sloan's character in that movie. <laughs> like, just Dude, to that. have the Tango and Cash reunion. <laughs> that would have had that, yeah. Yeah. Missed, missed opportunity. Maybe everybody forgot. It was the 80s. A lot of coke back then. I didn't forget. James <laughs> Gunn didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, was great. So where were you able to find this treasure of a movie? So it was available for free on some app, I think Tubi, but Tubi. I didn't have Tubi set up. Oh. So I I just rented it on Prime because I'm not setting. <laughs> Wait, did, did you check on Facebook? <laughs> I did not check on Facebook, right? I'm going to go upload it to Facebook right now. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Does Facebook is like more lenient on their uploads? No, what? because they don't let you upload Jack without, like it will get copyright infringement like instantly. Trust me, but I like, post stuff for our web, our page all the time yeah. and get hit with it. Well, that, that's why I was surprised I found the wall because the wall is fairly protected because it's music and then video, right. you know. So, but that had video had been up for three years on Facebook, I don't perfectly know. fine with a bunch of likes and comments on it. So I'm like, how how I, is this working? That I I always I wonder about that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. All right, it's available on Amazon Prime or Tubi if you want to watch it with commercials. Um, was that was that everything? Yeah, I think that's everything because I talk a lot, so other people should talk. <laughs> John, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, just uh, for clarification, it looks like Tango and Cash full movie with Israeli subtitles is available on Facebook. <laughs> but I watched, um, you know, I've been busy. My child has also been overpowering my every uh, whim here. And so, like... A way to put it? I, it's been... a it's been a constant cycle of watching Incredibles 1 and 2, um, which I think Liz would probably be a big fan of that because they definitely try to squash any attempt of oh, having yes. superheroes. They're like, nope, <laughs> can't have them. Too, too much of a liability. Oh, yeah. Um, but these and, are people uh, with powers already. What are they supposed to do with it? Not use them. Got to just suppress them. You just you suppress, suppress who you are. Power. Okay. They, they, they can't be their real selves. They have to conform to society for the greater good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, I, I have things to say about the sequel, though, because there's so many missed opportunities with all the talk in the first one about, uh, I guess that could be my rewatch technically, since that's the only real thing I saw is The Incredibles 1 and 2. Um, yeah. I want to say some hot takes on it. Okay. I think the sequel is trash. Oh, um, got him! I think it's a definite like it's a definite great example of male toxicity. Like it, it, (laughs) Mister Incredible is fucking horrible in that in that movie. Oh yes, compared to the version that you get in the first one, where he's like really worried about his family and like doesn't he doesn't feel like he's strong enough to protect them. To the version you get in the second one, where it's like my wife is dumb, I'm the real hero. Come on. 
Well, except the first one is the same concept. I'm the one who has to protect them. The only one that can protect them is me. And if I'm not, but strong that's enough, that's him feeling sorry. Like that's him. Like ah, whatever. Go ahead, John. It's, disappear. it's the same. It's not the same. It's, it's the same. no, yeah. I, I, it's the same movie. Everything that was like done in the first movie is undone by the beginning of the second all of the character development the progression to the the real world implications here was just like gone it basically we restarted it's like they took the same script and just like changed the details like now mrs incredible is the one that's doing the undercover superhero stuff and like yeah so you add powers to jack jack this time whereas before you had to watch like a special scene uh to get all of that yes (laughs) Um, and, um, it, there were so many ways that this movie could have gone. Uh, the fact that they, the, it starts with the ending of the last movie with the underminer and that's gone and done with in like the first five minutes. Yeah. And there's no resolution to that whatsoever. The bad guy gets away. And what I would have liked to have seen is a further exploration because I've seen some great fan, um, theories about the Incredibles having to do with um, like Syndrome actually working for the government the whole time and um, like him being commissioned to start the next generation of supers but that were like super soldiers with technology as opposed to being the ones that had the natural abilities mm-hmm. um, and the talk that what's her name Edna Mode has with Incredible early on in the first movie where she says I used to design for gods and she has these huge statues and like this mural of like Greek gods and the implication that like that the supers are actually descendants of actual Greek mythological heroes mm-hmm. that it kind of follows a similar like DC storyline with old gods and like you know them still being in this in the in the uh, I guess society um and then a separate fan theory that dealt with oh no like these supers were artificially created but they were all government agents at some point or another such as the one of the ways that both incredible and elastigirl um have infiltration abilities but very different based on their skill set their powers whereas mr incredible just kind of like bulldozes a bit more directly into syndrome's uh like secret layer um elastigirl does a lot more like Black Widow type stuff in order to get in there. And it says, well, clearly they have training. I mean, Elastigirl is even a trained pilot and um, incredible for being, you know, so strong. He's still smart. Like, he figures out that the password to the computer was in, like, Gazer Beam's, like, dying, you know, moments. He, like, he put that on the wall. And it's like, okay, yeah, that was pretty interesting that he was able to put those together. These are clearly smart, trained people, not just people that have abilities. But we don't really do anything with that. It's just basically the same movie, just repackaged with like a different like sheen on it. Now it's in Mrs. Incredible doing uh, all the superhero stuff. And yeah, you get some of the dynamic back and forth with like, well, Incredible thinking it should be him, being kind of jealous. Um, I actually do like that scene where he has to kind of like admit through gritted teeth that like, yeah, they're right. You would be the better one to do this because you have a bit more finesse, whereas I would just like break stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and that is pretty cool. I hated the fact that they brainwashed, uh, what was his name, Tony? The little boy that was going to go on the date with Violet. No. Yeah. Like, 
uh, all of the character growth that she goes to to become like stronger and more confident is immediately undone when he like doesn't recognize her anymore and she takes that as rejection and has like a near nervous breakdown what? which to be fair that's happened to me too but yeah. I felt like she was stronger than that. <laughs> so yeah, I she's do, still a teenager. <laughs> I'm saying I do appreciate that they, although hyperbole, I feel like they adequately express the exhaustion that comes with parenting a toddler, yes. <laughs> and the frustration that comes with parenting a, a teenager. teenager. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then that crazy middle child too. <laughs> well, and yeah. math, because mm-hmm. you know having parents that are teachers the. The co- the difficulty parents have with Common Core, uh, <laughs> or change it. I did I did like that reference because I'm like, what? This makes no sense. Why would you take the numbers apart and put them in boxes? And what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this isn't Sudoku. Why are we doing this? Um, but yeah, like it gives me like a different appreciation for the movies. I still think the first one is just masterfully done. The mm-hmm. second one, not so much, only because it's derivative. It's still great animation-wise, uh, acting-wise. Um, I like some of the general ideas in it. But why make the villain again someone who's just obsessed with technology and has beef with heroes because they disappointed her in the past? Mm. You know, spoiler alert. It, it's the same thing, basically. Um, except that in this one, the villain doesn't die. I think that was kind of a missed opportunity with killing Syndrome in the first one. But, I mean, I probably didn't think they were going to get a sequel. So it was a good way to just tie it up. And I think that's what the problem was, is when you don't think you're going to have a sequel and you, like, you know, put a nice little bow at the end and it's satisfying. But then, oh, no, we have to continue the story now. But 10 years later... Yeah, that's the other thing. Or, I think the future, the gap between sequels, the more yeah. problematic you have to writing a good sequel. That's not just trying to run nostalgia of the first one, which is basically what this one did. I was really yeah. confused. John, I was in the same spot as you for this one. Where When I watched it, I was like, I don't know why everyone's singing this movie's praises so much. It's so much of the same thing. It's not like it's like, oh, damn, like it's the same thing for a reason because everything else in the movie, it's, it wasn't that. I liked a lot of parts of it, but yeah, I didn't come out of it thinking like that was a good movie. No, I was very uh, just underwhelmed, I want to say, because hmm. it didn't feel like it progressed the story anymore. Um, and like I said, there, I, this would be a great show to have a TV series built around it mm-hmm. that maybe explores some of those other aspects, like where do the supers come from? I, what were the ramifications of the... I mean, there's a what a 15-year gap between the moment mm-hmm. that the supers get canceled, so to speak, and when we the first story picks up. Um, you know, what happened in some of those intervening years? Did some other characters have more difficulty? Um, what was it like seeing the kids start to develop powers like how early could they tell like at one point was violet in her cradle and then she's gone and they're like oh (laughs) crap where'd she go you know that kind of thing or when jack jacks or not jack jack when dash first started crawling did it like just crawl like at you know mach 3 or something like what there's a lot of stuff there i really would like to see if they explore more of the past i want to see what edna and other people's fascinations with uh, what the heroes are Mm -hmm. um because if you think about it, Edna also is a fanboy, not so different from how, a, um, I was going to say Incredible Boy, but Syndrome was, you know? That, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like there's definitely hero worship in this world. Mm-hmm. And obviously someone like Incredible has a hard time letting that go. 
um, just looking at his trophy room, you know, it's like it's all about him. He definitely likes to self-grandulate, but mm -hmm. I don't, <sighs> I don't know. I just, I wanted more from it. And that's me speaking as an adult fan, not as a child, because obviously my kid just can't get enough of them. <laughs> she thinks they're great. And she likes the second one more because if it's focus on this is incredible. And that's great. Elastigirl. The best thing that they, honestly, the best takeaway from that entire movie was just the cool motorcycle that mm -hmm. yeah. factors in her abilities. That was the best thing. Yeah, that was cool. And I, I may or may not have taken that... Um, McDonald's toy from my kid at one point and kept it for myself. Um, that's not on the record. Um, but uh, yeah, that was basically what I ended up doing. Sort of a retro uh, Geeks Watch with some additional commentary of how I really feel about it. Um, so yeah, uh, well, you know what other people think about that. Absolutely hit me up on all social media because it is at Magic Bollocks. <laughs> I, I just to counteract with the character development kind of sort of being the same in the second two i actually find it annoying that character development like happens and then everything's gidori from then on i think that's very anti-realistic i think it does take more than just one developing opportunity for somebody to actually change so i think that might be why the sequel didn't bug me as much with mr incredible still being kind of the jealous type because that's something that's very slow to happen there are several lessons that happen have to happen not just one same thing especially for teenagers with violet like there's several lessons that have to have to happen with rejection for you to get over the idea of rejection and you know having and developing a self-esteem kind of thing so i think that's why the second one didn't bug me as much because to me it is realistic that no like their problems wouldn't all be solved by the end of the first movie and they shouldn't all be solved by the end of the first movie but I definitely do see that the first movie is about film, though. Although Elastigirl. <laughs> like. <laughs> no, Elastigirl is pretty awesome. And I, I like that they also, like, there's some good dialogue between Elastigirl and Evelyn Endeavor, which is meant to be a pun, apparently, evil Endeavor, if you mm -hmm. read it yeah. a little bit differently. They have some good philosophical conversation about, like, the nature of superheroes and the nature of, like, you know, what her brother's trying to do as far as, like, bringing superheroes back. And I'm like, this is, it's well written. It's just the story's really lacking. It ends literally with Violet and Tony going on a date again. Mm -hmm. uh, and the only reason why she, like, gets over it is because she finds out, oh, he didn't reject me. He just doesn't remember me because the thing that happened. Yeah. Okay, well, I just need to go back and try again. Because obviously he liked me before, so he's going to like me again. Like, that resolution, I was like... <sighs> no, it, it it like ultimately nothing changes. It's like we could intersplice these two movies into being one movie, and that would make more sense to me than this being like a sequel. Because to me, a sequel should progress it somehow. And like at the end of it, we're still right back where we ended at the end of the first one. So I don't know. Like th this, uh, this would be a good experiment for like editing. I think. Yeah. Because well, like literally, there's no gap in time. Yeah. It begins where the last one ends. So. Yeah, which is another like don't have a big gap between making the sequel and. Yeah. If it's gonna start. It, I think it would have been yeah. better well re received if it came out like two years as opposed to ten or however long it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I will note. Um. Incredibles three is in production. I think right now it was supposed to come out in 2022. So. <laughs> Maybe well, I didn't even hear about an Incredibles three because I I know Brad Bird said that he didn't have any any desire to come back and do a third one. 
So I don't it's, know if it is. It might still just be rumor, but I was pretty sure one because the second one did do good in box office mm-hmm. and knowing Disney, they're gonna do well, a third one. They did a third the Cars movie. They shouldn't have done <laughs> the second Cars movie. The third Cars movie was actually good. So. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what this is. Maybe this will be like the Temple of Doom for the Incredible <laughs> series, and we'll get a Last Crusade that will yeah. like redeem it. So, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if Brad Bird would be involved or not, because, like I said, it's still seemingly all the articles are older. But I do remember hearing that they were going to do a third one for sure. Well, I just but, want the third one to be a time jump where Violet and Dash are like adults and Violet's like in charge of whatever agency that has that's in charge of supers. I think that'd be the great story. That would I'm be very much awesome. And then like, you have old awesome. Mr. Incredible and Elastic Girl and they're just watching over their grandkids or something. Dude, no, they need to do a Kingdom Come in, like, in the wow, Incredibles, in the universe. Incredibles universe. That would be yes. insane. All right. Sure. Yes. Why not? <laughs> Uh, all right. I assume that was on Disney Plus. Absolutely. No. Oh, okay. Um, Mitch, what did you watch? My week's watch. So before I get into my actual week's watch, I just want to say that uh, I, for the Mitch and Rich show, which will be on a special night of Monday instead of uh, this past Saturday, uh, I watched Minari, and I think everybody should go and watch that movie. It is phenomenal. It, uh, and I will admit here that it made me ugly cry. Like it, it straight up did. I can't watch it then. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I cry at different things than, than what most people do, so it might not get you I the same it. way. Um, <laughs> but it it very much did. So uh, listen to our show about that after you watch the movie. Um, but for my exchange with Jessica, I watched mm-hmm. Rogers and Haberstein's Cinderella from 1997. Is that yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yep, 1997, yes. starring yes. Brandy Norway and Whitney Houston and Jason Alexander and Whoopi Goldberg, Goldberg. and Victor Garber and Bernadette <laughs> Peters. And yeah, everybody great, wonderful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was just so many people in this movie. Uh, unfortunately, that prince does not go on to do anything other than 22 episodes of Mortal Kombat Legacy, oh. a US, oh. USA Network TV series <laughs> based on the video game. Uh, yeah. Happened? Yeah. He doesn't I go on to do it. anything else. Um, I mean, he was he was good in the role, but it's not like anyone in that movie was necessarily just chewing up the scenery or anything. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people are chewing up the scenery. I think <laughs> yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, my actual hot take on the whole Cinderella fairy tale is it, my is super hot take. Cinderella's father is actually a bastard. He's dead. I understand yes. that, but he is not a good person. Like I feel like him telling his daughter please keep this family together after I'm dead is just the worst. Like he, how could he not realize that this lady that he married was just terrible? Just garbage. Just a garbage person. They're not garbage in front of the husband. Uh, I don't know if they can hide it that well. Like she couldn't even hide it when she was talking to Jason Alexander's Lionel character or the king. Like, I, I, yeah, I do feel like, did you see the, the I don't know, 2000-something Cinderella that came out with um, I did not. King Rob? Um, that one does a better job, I think, of setting up why he married again 
and a better job of why Cinderella is always kind. Mm. So that one does a really good job of setting up like always be kind, but don't be like a pushover kind of thing. Like you can be kind to people that are mean to you and eventually you will get there basically. I don't know. I'm not phrasing that right because I also do think, no, you should stand up for yourself. <laughs> but the movie does do a good job over choose to be kind and you will get back at them better than if you choose to be as cruel as they are. And um, but that's that version of the, of Cinderella. That's the one with yeah, Kate Blanchett, right? Yes. The one with Kate Blanchett, which as I the... think it's, yeah. Which goes more into the societal issues of, yeah, he had to marry because you have to have a wife to help your daughter get into society. Basically, you have to have a woman represent your daughter within the court system to be able to come out. And then Kate Blanchett doesn't do that because she knows that Cinderella is better than her daughters because she's kind. And the complete opposite of Kate Blanchett, who is a character that has been destroyed by society because of reasons as well. So I also recommend that movie, which is not a musical. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you, you had already talked about this one a couple weeks ago, so I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't, won't get too much into that part of it. Um, I do want to bring up the fact that I understand that this is the, a different version of Cinderella as opposed to the, to the Disney one. So you don't get any of the songs from the Disney one. You don't get the playing with the animals uh, version that you, you get, you, you know, from that. Um, mm-hmm. This is the third time that this one was made into a live action movie uh, yeah. for TV. Mm-hmm. N- nonetheless. Uh, what was it? Uh, Julie Andrews is Cinderella in one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1957 one, I think. Um, yeah, uh, sure. Cinderella. It's it's definitely there. I kind of want, like, coming out of this, I really came out with a, I would love to see someone take on the the fairy tale, but coming from, and I'm sure someone's already done this, but coming from one of the stepsisters in the fact that it's, like, even in, the, in this one, the one sister just laughs too much. And the other one is itchy. Like, yes, they are overbearing, but like, if you, and that's coming from Cinderella's side, like, if you came from the stepsister side, like, just because of their nervousness, they are very much not liked by the prince. Like, he, he's like, you're itching, you're scratching yourself. So, thus, go yeah. away kind of thing. Like, well, but they're also they, lying about it. They're also if, lying. If they were just like, hello, Prince. Hi. No, yes, I am so scratching then, myself. So then I, I have put, an issue with eczema. So then you yeah. put the, you put the emphasis on the way too much pressure their mother puts on them. Like, I would think this would be an interesting story if you came from some other angle. Like, I just, like, sure, let Cinderella and, and the prince, which doesn't even have a name, go off and, <laughs> uh, you know, have their happily ever after. But I want to see the story of, and not the one that you you get from Shrek with the guy, you know, being a girl thing that they have in that, which does not seem good to me. As I say, let's let's be very clear. Mitch hates the Cinderella story. Yeah, <laughs> as I, a story. I mean, I don't hate the story, but I don't. I I, I think I think Frozen p- points it out the best. Is how can you love this guy? You just met them. I mean, the good thing about this one is that they do have that first interaction before either one of them knows that the other one is a person of interest i guess and they kind of find each other charming they're clearly destined for each other they just like riff on that song together he already knows the song and whatnot you know what that was a that was something i wanted to ask the group uh in these musicals you always end up getting one 
a huge group of people singing the same song or two, two people singing a duet that they don't know that they're singing a duet. Is Mm -hmm. that because one person like has a, like a superpower and they like literally interjecting their, their, (laughs) their thoughts into someone else's mind or is there like a, or is there a, yeah. Is there a hive mind like where a bunch of people are just like feeling the groove from the earth. Just destiny. From the ether. It's it's, it's, it's shared jazz hysteria. Jazz hysteria. (laughs) It's, It's a shared jazz hysteria. It's 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 a suspension of belief. Just like I had to suspend my belief over all the electricity stunts in Tango and Cash that <laughs> never happen. Oh, you should watch Crank next. Oh, no. oh god. Oh. It, it's the same kind. Like just like you have to suspend yourself in action films when they do things that is never possible. I you mean, just I'm have not- to in musicals, people just know how to sing all the parts and harmonies and dance well. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm upset about it. Like I understand yeah. it and I go along with it. I'm just saying, like, if someone were to dis- to write this in, like, why it is, like, as an observer on the outside, why did everybody just start singing the same song? How do they all know it? Like, what would be the thing that you would write in? Is it because there's an X Men in the group, <laughs> or is it more of a uh, a Gaia thing, like we're just feeling it from the earth. Is it? Nope, is it? Nobody is actually singing. It's all just head injuries for the main <laughs> character. I think that's what pop culture has. So you're saying at the beginning of this movie, uh, Cinderella actually got hit by those 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 horses. And oh, this happened years ago when she first moved in. That that aunt just smacked her so hard. This step mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Doesn't she have a song? The the like in my dreams or something when I'm sitting in my chair, she sings a song about how in her dream, this is what would happen uh-huh. kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's her actually in the dream. The okay. entire time. <laughs> oh, <damn>. <laughs> <laughs> She's just sitting in her chair. So, uh, yeah, this was a watch. I'm glad <laughs> I got to watch it now and I can check it off the list. Thank you, Jessica. It's on Disney plus. Mitch, what? I gotta know. When anyone watches a new piece of any kind of fiction or anything, the first thing that people do is ship, you know? So, tell me, did, did you, do you ship the king and queen in this movie? Does that seem like a good romance? Because I'll say one thing about them. They do seem supportive of each other's, like, wandering eyes. Well, no, because both, both of them are just kind of like, oh, no, you know, that person's real pretty. And the other person's like, mmm. But they're clearly fooling with each other. Well, one... You have to remember that in those societies, it was all for alliances is the reason why <laughs> royals okay. got together. Two, um, I would never have shipped uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson together. So, <laughs> and they were in a relationship together for in real life. So, and there the you go. Huh? And the movie. Yeah, that's right. That's where they met on Made in America. Uh, so... Um, oh. Sure, Victor Garber and Whoopi Goldberg together makes sense to me. Why not? <laughs> I, I'm I'm here for it. I just like the way Whoopi Goldberg plays a mom. She's like, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not agreeing to this exchange. No, no, no. I am still in charge. I am mom. I get to do what I want. <laughs> You'll thank me later. <laughs> so there you go. Rogers and Ham- Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella is on Disney Plus. Okay. Let's get into talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 5, Truth. 
Mitch, what is the time code right now for this episode? For this episode, right now, we are at an hour and 10 minutes. (laughs) This one podcast might run longer than the entire series of Falcon and Winter Soldier. It just might. Because there's a lot to talk about in this episode. To talk about. Specifically talking about, and since Steven brought it up, shipping. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bucky and Sarah Wilson. I love it. Yes. I'm all for it. I am and it even goes meant- along with Tango and Cash of the buddy cop film where one brother, <laughs> one guy has to fall in love with the sister of the other guy. I- I'm all yeah. for it. You don't, you don't mean Bucky and Sam actually sitting on the ship and like talking about feelings? <laughs> I mean, that's it's different shipping. That's different shipping. Yeah. Like... <laughs> If if, if if that's the way they want to go too, then I'm here for it. But I'm saying the sparks were flying between Sarah and Buck. Wait, no, no, Mitch, this was a boat pun. I get that. What? Also, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. John's a dad. See, I get it. John, John was trying. John was trying to say that ship is similar to the fact that they were on a fishing boat. A Steven, ship. You're ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to make sure it's because of the boat, not so much because of the relationship part in relationship. Like, that's. I just want to make sure. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this podcast isn't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just long enough. <laughs> uh, all right. So yes, we get to see the ramifications of John Walker's actions at the end of episode four. Mm-hmm. Also, we get to yeah. see that the way that Infinity Wars should have been accomplished if Star-Lord hadn't fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We very much... I, and that, that did go through my mind when when Bucky and Sam are both uh, fighting over the shield to get it off of John Walker's arm. It is yeah. very reminiscent of, Spider, of Spider-Man trying to pull off the gauntlet off of Thanos' hand. Yeah. And uh, they do it. And they do it. They actually they accomplish what was arm. supposed to have occurred. <laughs> Uh, they, like, yeah, they straight up break his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Oh, deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, that, that it was it was very reminiscent. I was expecting uh, maybe Star Lord to come in and screw it up again. <laughs> like I'm just saying. <laughs> from a portal. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> uh how, how did everybody feel about not only seeing that fight scene, but seeing? Sam get his wings ripped off. I thought they could have done that scene crazier, in all honesty. Yeah? Yeah, I like, there have been so many parts where in a TV show or a movie or something, we see someone get pushed against something or hit something, and it's like, oh, damn, I felt that. When his wings got ripped off, I didn't feel it, mm. even though it's a big thing for him. Yeah. I, I felt more for him because that's something that he relies on and uses very well throughout the show. Yeah. But visually, it didn't hit me. I don't think that I would have felt felt it in any way in any way they shot it because like it's it's not like his arm. He doesn't have any nerves in those wings. Like if because well, like when I saw John Walker's arm got broke, I still felt that. Yeah. If they had if they had had him put like pulling on the wings the whole time and Sam tries to do something to use the jets to move up and away from it, so he lifts himself up and then he breaks the wings like breaks the wings um like downwards so sam gets pushed down 
or like he like pushes him down and then breaks the wings off. So we see um, Sam move in a different direction from the wings at the same time. It would have been a really powerful visual yeah. thing. See, I oh, go ahead, Jessica. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. So I, I actually liked the way they shot it because for me at first I thought he was strangling Sam, yeah. like actually exactly. taking his that's, life. That's what? the one. I thought he was at first. Yeah, well, and I so that's my thing. Like, and then he rips, rips the wings off. So he doesn't literally kill him, although it's shot as if he were literally killing him. Instead, yeah. he just figuratively kills him. I feel and like I think he was strangling him a little bit. And I then really he goes through the death blow with moment. the with the shield, like yeah. The, yeah, the exact I, thing that we just saw him do. Yeah. I feel like it was very much John Walker going, look, I took the serum because I'm better than you kind of thing. Like you could never be Captain America. And so he goes to almost kill him by choking him out and then taking off the thing that makes him almost equal to Captain America, with his, which is his wings, because he's so good at fighting in his wings. He doesn't need the serum. And then he goes to kill him with Captain America symbol. Like it's mm-hmm. very much screw you, Sam. Like mm-hmm. that's all three points. There was also like they, they did. They've done a really good job of showing him, John Walker, overstepping in things and saying, like, I'm doing this very well. Good. And they literally just had him say that in this. And I was like, no, yeah, he's still being post 9-11 cap. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was a really good moment where he says, why are you like, stop making me do this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, stop, stop making me kill you. What? I- <laughs> I mean even in the scene with the senators you don't understand I'm doing everything you wanted me to do I've done it exactly the way you wanted I've done what you trained me to do yeah Yeah. I I would like to know because I listened to what you guys said in last week's podcast actually right we were recording this Um, you guys mentioned how they were kind of sort of glossing over a lot of things like about like not anti-America but about like the truth about America this one very that was all build up for this episode this episode was very much on the nail no these are the messages we are trying to showcase Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this episode I I do think also did do a good job of making it so anyone who would be offended by the idea of pointing out these different flaws in America Mm -hmm. if there's someone who is a soldier I, I think that plenty of soldiers still do agree with the idea of it's wrong what I have to do, but it's being, it's doing what I'm told to do for a greater good. Like the idea of the chain of command being unquestionable because there's a higher vision. They, they do a good job of making that still be a part of who John Walker is. Yeah. And yeah, well, and the breakdown that occurs when somebody who is trained to be in that chain of command is now the only command. Mm-hmm. And and what that can what damage that can do. However, that being said, he's still a weenie for lying that that guy was <laughs> the one that killed him. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, that was irredeemable. We also we also got introduced to a, a new character in the game and someone who <laughs> the, a new name that showed up in the the missing blank uh, for the credits. Julia Louis Dreyfus, Julie Louis Dreyfus as Victoria. Was it Victoria Val? Val- Val- oh, Val- Val- Valentina Valentina, Valentina mm-hmm. that's right Valentina de Fontaine or something like that uh, a character I'm not very familiar with in the comic books however uh, looking her up afterwards goes on to be a very big character uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody that doesn't know uh, but yeah uh, she comes in and says look look 
uh, I might have a job for you and they're not going to admit it in front of the cameras, but you know, you did the right thing and, uh, don't worry about the shield because we didn't really own it anyways. <laughs> I felt so vindicated. I felt so vindicated. I was like, thank you for discussing that fact. <laughs> like it was a very short discussion, but just because I remember we talked about it at the, fir- at the, st- at the, the start of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So that made me feel much better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said that too when when she said that I was like, "Oh, Elizabeth's going to be happy." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I mean, how does everybody feel about this added bonus of uh, a character, like this this person that's going to embolden John Walker into his further frenzy and 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 uh, journey uh, of doing what he believes is right for America. I, I wish there were three episodes after the introduction of this kind of character. Oh, yeah. I want more from her already. <laughs> I think it's necessary mm-hmm. because I think the whole point is John Walker is to, sh- is to showcase why initially you didn't, why initially, and I can't remember the doctor's name, the German Erskine. doctor. Erskine. Erskine didn't want a good soldier. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. John Walker is a good soldier, not a good man, but he is still a good soldier. So he needs a commanding officer. He needs to feel like he's supposed to be doing the right thing because he doesn't, he's not evil in the traditional sense in that, you know, he relishes in the death and destruction or, you know, he is meant to show that kind of gray, gray area like Carly is of doing the wrong things for the, what you think are the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he needs a commanding officer to tell him that he is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other huge, I feel huge reveals in this episode that we got would have been, is the fact that to me, the dialogue says that uh, Bucky and cap had a conversation before cap went back in time and his the the he knew that buck or that cap steve was going to stay uh in the past and when he eventually showed up to this point he was going to give the shield to to sam like uh the fact that that i don't feel like that conversation is really had or or had been had by the t- when buck is saying bye to steve but i i think it is there you could you could argue that it's there See, and I, I think, I don't know that the conversation was, I'm going to stay back. It's that when I'm ready to retire, it's going to go to Sam. Or when I'm done, mm. I want it to go to Sam. As <clears> opposed <throat> to, you know, that end of the conversation versus exactly how that's going to come about. Okay. That's, yeah. that's one way. Inter- yeah. I, I also think it's interesting that uh, Steve is like, shield goes to Sam. My book goes to you. Like, this is how <laughs> I want this to play out. I mean, I mean, it, it makes People sense. People write wills all the time. No, no, no. I understand. <laughs> and, and, and it means more for the shield mm-hmm. to go to Sam. And it means more for the book to go to, to go to, to Buck. Okay. Like it, it's, <clears throat> well, this is how I, I integrated back into the world. You should do the same. But to that point of uh, giving the shield to Sam, it's like Cap knew um, what kind of journey that was going to take Sam on specifically, because we get that scene with Isaiah Bradley which to me was like the most impactful scene of this episode, that mm. conversation that they had. Yeah. The fact that Isaiah Bradley was incarcerated and essentially court-martialed for the exact same thing that Cap did in the mm-hmm. first Avenger. Yeah. 
and it shows the divide that there is. Um, and he mentions Tuskegee, the Red Tails, mm-hmm. um, you know, how mm-hmm. they they would fight for their country just like, you know, their white brothers and come back to burning crosses on their lawn. Like mm-hmm. that whole thing was like very like, damn, like he's really just spilling the tea right there of like, yeah, like we do what we think is right. And this is how we're rewarded for it. And we get no thanks. And, you know, we're treated like criminals still in our own country that, you know, we did all this stuff for and we're all experimented on without our consent. They didn't even know that that's what they were being given. Mm-hmm. Apparently like that was like, wow. That's Just... not even fiction. That's no, no yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's... So like that. And Isaiah basically saying, I think he even said it specifically, the world is not ready for a black captain America. Essentially mm-hmm. it's the shorthand of all of that. And Sam is struggling with that. That's why he gave up the shield at the beginning, because he didn't think that that was the case. And I mean, everything we've seen so far, that's not like superhero action stuff related is dealing with that. Um, and the whole conversation with, well, basically Sam and Bucky are both going through the same thing of like, you know, um, you can't let someone else tell you who you are. Like, Sam, uh, Bucky is not the Winter Soldier anymore. He is who he wants to be now. And Sam is Captain America. He can't let the, the previous preconceptions of society dictate that he can't be. And the best scene about that, showing that he's finally accepting it, is when his youngest nephew, the one with glasses, is like admiring the shield while Sam is holding it. And you can kind of see the implication in Sam is, yes, like, I need to do this for him to show that this can be done. Because since Isaiah Bradley didn't exist for him, he didn't feel like he could be Captain America. So he needs to be the Isaiah Bradley that the next generation needs. And I was like, man, show, why are you making me feel stuff? (laughs) (laughs) And I was really glad to see that the Isaiah Bradley scene and the Bucky scene were paired in the same episode. Mm-hmm. particularly Isaiah Bradley saying the last line, the one that probably hit the hardest for me was, and no self-respecting black mm-hmm. man would be Captain be. America. And then Bucky's statement of Steve and I couldn't have known, like we didn't know and we couldn't have known what that would have meant for you or what that kind of damage could be. And I, I found those two sides of the same coin very poignant because it does give Sam the space to decide who he wants to be and what he wants Captain America to look like, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really important for his journey. Although as Mitch will point out, I continually throughout the episode was like, just destroy the shield. Like it just needs to just like, (laughs) like go away. Captain America is gone. Like be your own, like just, I, I kept, I was like, oh, good. I hope that he hands the shield back to the Wakandans and tells them to melt it down. Or, you know, oh, I hope they take it out in the boat and just dump it in the ocean. Like, just <laughs> get rid of like it. Like, yeah. the, the thing I would say for that one is I think the shield as a symbol has been destroyed effectively at this point. <laughs> but so that, from, yeah. from this point on, like, it's, it stopped being just the symbol itself and is now about the person who's wielding it at that point in time because you have that massive dichotomy of the two people who we've seen have publicly currently. wield yeah. it. If, so. if Marvel comic books are anything, 
as as everybody loves to point out, as opposed to DC, where DC is these people that are gods, Marvel comic books is all about humans having to redeem themselves for the bad things that they've done. That's yes. exactly what they're going to do with the shield. The shield has to be mm-hmm. redeemed as well. Um, yeah, like- th- yeah. So having Sam wield it and then showing that this it means more than it means just as much that the shield is getting redeemed as America itself is getting redeemed. Like, is that going to happen in the real world? Of course not. This is what the the comic book is going to be, and this is what the comic book's TV show is going to be. So have, you you can't just destroy it and be like we're done with it. Uh, at least in my eyes, you have to you have to redeem the symbol and the name. Well, now the name. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do in one more episode. Like I, <laughs> there's so much to be resolved here, and honestly, I'm at a point now with what we're getting in these TV shows, these Disney Plus TV shows. Obviously, we're only two shows deep in this, but um, all the same. It's kind of starting to feel like how people feel about how uh, Raya and the Last Dragon and um, oh, I forget the other movie. Yeah, oh. No, no, and Mulan. Oh, how those films were put behind a paywall on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. but other movies were just free. You know, sure. like yeah, like it's it's a little frustrating that the thing that's widely available to everyone are the are the Marvel movies that aren't dealing with these deeper themes but then you have to pay some money to get some meat like this. I like even in the Iron Man movies where we, t- we deal with him possibly having like some PTSD, um, some other different kinds of things. Even those are dealt with in very small ways. The Iron Man films are the closest to actually talking about war profiteering or anything like that. But this is one of the most substantial conversations that's so important to be out there. And you have to have this service, a decent internet connection because that app fucking sucks. That app does uh, suck. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's, there are so many barriers to entry to see this important message. And I'm a little bit frustrated with that idea. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I mean, Disney plus is a cheaper app than most others though. Like mm-hmm. I just, like the the paywall for the movies, I I can't fault them that much. That that wasn't something that they were going, they were planning on doing. Like that's that's a function of the pandemic. That's a function of the pandemic. The yeah. TV shows but, were always but going other to be movies on there. came out at the same time. Yeah, like, well, Soul, they, Soul was put out for free. Yeah, Soul was put out for free. I I feel like I think I mentioned before probably Soul was put out for free because they knew Soul wasn't going to do good because of the type of movie it was and when it came out. Um, but. They just announced that the next Pixar movie, the I cannot remember what it's called. It's about Luca. two boys in Italy. Oh, Luca is going to come out for free. Yeah, which that surprised me. I was like, wait, why? And it yeah. may be it may be something in the contract with Pixar. Well, as far as I know, well, I don't know. It could just be rumor mirror, but I think the um, mirror rumor mill. I think Pixar animators are upset. It's coming out for free. Oh. So most, they were most people who. Yeah, mo- like the like the the massive pub-up that we saw from the people who yeah. um, had to, had their movies go up on HBO Max. Also mad. Yeah, I, I, it's just odd. I don't know. It's it's not that it's some massive big thing. Again, we're so early in that situation for it to be a, a big issue. But I hope that they do something like they they did with Black Panther, where they put it out for that free run of movie, like um, sometime in theaters, mm. uh, in celebration of that. I hope that something like that happens with this. You 
give DVDs or Blu-rays or something to like some kind of libraries somewhere, something yeah. Yeah. for this one. Cause it's an important ass conversation. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. On a much lighter note, I particularly enjoyed the discussion between Bucky and Sam at the end about, are they coworkers? Are they just two dudes? Are they? They're two guys that had a mutual friend who died. So now they're just two, two guys. Yeah. Um, as well as when they are trying to deal with the pump and Sarah comes up and she's like, no, no, no. I don't tell you how to go f- jumping at airplanes and fly around in the sky. Don't touch things you don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. my, my favorite part of that whole exchange was the last word that she said in the thing. She said, off. Off. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I wanted to bring up the fact that, I, I mean, we obviously get a reveal and I feel like it's not being talked about enough and not, not by us, but just in general. Uh, Sharon, Sharon. Yeah. If she's not the power broker, she's at least helping the flag smashers. She calls Batrock. Batrock shows up to give weapons to the flag smashers to, to Carly. Uh, like, I don't know. It seemed like a weird anti reveal. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Especially after everyone had made this whole thing on the internet already. About, oh, cameo, cameo, cameo. I didn't what? feel like the thing with Julia Louis-Dreyfus was a cameo. <laughs> yeah. That is an actor playing a role in a, in a thing. That's yeah. a character. Yeah, that's a so character. So I was really, I was like, what is the cameo? I, what? So I'll tell you what I thought the cameo was before going into the episode. And, and that will be the next scene that I was going to bring up. Uh, Zemo and Bucky talking and, you know, Bucky like having the gun and being like, you know, pulling the trigger. You thought Cap was going to come out. No, no, no. I didn't think it was going to be Cap. So, okay. uh, I knew there was a big reveal or a big cameo. And I knew that, uh, that, um, uh, uh, everybody was floored by it. Essentially. That's what I got from Twitter before I could Mm -hmm. like go away without, without getting spoiled. So, uh, seeing the door Melange show up, and take him away, him still alive. I thought the end credit scene was going to be uh, Thunderbolt Ross showing up at the raft and being like, I want you to, to, to do my Thunderbolts, to be the leader of my is, Thunderbolts. Is I, anybody I, out there possibly <laughs> willing to go back through us talking about any of these Marvel shows and count the times that Mitch has said Thunderbolt Ross's name? <laughs> I don't care. It's, it's, I don't have enough fingers and toes for it, Mitch. <laughs> Mitch, you're just hey, going to have to write it. I'm just saying, I was going to tweet right in. after watching that, being like, I've been waiting for this line since <laughs> Civil War, and it has not happened. <laughs> I'll now. fill you in on the little secret, Stephen. Um, it th- the conversations about Thunderbolt Ross are not relegated to just this podcast. <laughs> nope, no, it's not. Mm-mm. It shows up in just about every episode of Journey into Mystery, <laughs> or just an everyday conversation. <laughs> this is also true. I want it. Someone give it to me already. So like, o- I, I, over brunch, you'll be like, you know, we haven't seen Thunderbolt Ross in a while. <laughs> I, I think that you're just going to have to take the. Uh, the initiative the, the, from Cinderella. You're going to have to take the fairy godmother's uh, <laughs> speech internally, and you're going to have to do it yourself. Okay, <laughs> I make my own magic. Yes, <laughs> release uh, the thunderbolt Ross cut. There you go. <laughs> that's what I want. Look, uh, that's literally what I thought the big reveal was going to be. It, it was not. You were right. The cameo was Julia Julia Louis Dreyfus as Valentina. Um, I think 
either she has to play a bigger role in the the last episode, or that is something that's going to be um, playing out in further TV series or the further the MCU. I, I don't because I, I it seems it's, odd to just have her come in for the, that three lines and then walk out. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, think it's, it's the gonna, TV show part. Uh, yeah, see, and, and I think it's going to be something along the lines of let me talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Like it's just going to be her showing up in various ones throughout. To mm-hmm. build she's, up the she's the anti Nick Fury. She's the anti Nick Fury. I want her to use the exact same line, but mean it negatively. Like, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Oh, like those bastards. You're going to be yeah. a part of my Avengers. And thus we get the Dark <laughs> Avengers, which is a which, possibility. That was a good. Uh, honestly, I, I was still buying comics actively for superhero stuff at that point in time. That was fine. I think the comics were a little bit too muddy colored for that whole run. But th- that was a good arc. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Avengers is a great, great arc. Uh, I I don't know if we have enough of those no. Avengers yet, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm here for it's it. Because they Disney's got a while, and they can oh, just no. kind of keep going. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Because you need the you need the the dark Thor. You need a dark Spider Man. We have a dark Hulk already. Uh, mm-hmm. You have the you have a dark Captain America. Uh, you'd need a Captain Marvel. There's a you'd have to have counterparts to everybody, and we we just haven't gotten them yet. I think we get Iron Patriot before we ever get any of the Dark Avengers stuff. I mean, we got the Iron Patriot suit already in Iron Man yeah. three, so it's out there somewhere. Um, you could uh, we, but we have gotten more, or at least we got to see a little bit more of Eli Bradley in this episode. He even says the, the like the line of "I'll be there." Like it's it's a it's a nod <laughs> to the audience of it's coming. I'm going to I, I'm going to wear the suit. Mitch, I was listening to his voice so carefully because I was like, does he have like a good voice for being this like leader? Uh-huh. I was like, okay, no, yeah, he has a good bearing. Like I, I actually said it audibly to Naeem as we watched. I was like, okay, no, yeah, he has a good bearing for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the no. initial run of the Young Avengers, him and Kate both are like the co-captains, co-leaders mm-hmm. of the group. So I, could, I would love to see that dynamic between uh, that actor and Haley Steinfeld. Uh for for the role of leader. Question for everyone here. Mm-hmm. Answer. Daily double. What's in the box? Good question. The most frustrating ending. So, I mean you have to say it you have to say it like Brad Pitt, John. What's in the box? There was a part where I was like, they're taking so long to actually get to the box. And they're showing him do other things where I was like, did they, did he just bring him practice pads to put on trees? Like, was that what was in the freaking box? Cause I need something Wakanda. I need those special mats you have. They're right. Vibranium <laughs> pit practice mats. <laughs> oh my God. No, I was literally going insane. Cause I'm that person that when I get a package, I get excited, even though I know what it is and like have to open it right away. And I was like, who gets a gift from Wakanda and just let it sit there for a week. <laughs> And then slowly open it at the end of the episode and then cut away. I was frustrated. <laughs> My mother was laughing at me because she knew and I knew in inside that it, you were not going to re- see the reveal this episode i was still mad i was very mad i was pouting my lip like i just want to know what was in the box <laughs> it's 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 a suit right like yeah. it's gonna be not thought. just the wings yeah so he yeah. he gets he gets wings that absolutely like fit or incorporate the shield 
And just want to put this out there. Mm-hmm. He has a Wakandan level Red Wing now. That's wow. the best part. Okay. All right. That would so make sense. I'm, do you I'm also that. think that Buck knew uh, when he asked the Wakandans to make this suit for him that Sam would eventually take on the mantle of Captain America? So thus these wings are going to be in the red, white, and blue colors that uh, he Sam eventually wears know. in the comic book? I, I don't think Bucky I knew. I think the Wakandans knew. I, I, I actually half expect them to have already had it built when Bucky asks. Like he's just like, "Can I get that suit that I know you already made?" <laughs> fair, fair enough. Basically, everybody knowing that Sam's eventually going to come to the decision that we all know is the right decision of him being the new Captain America, and the suit is going to be red, white, and blue. Does anybody else feel that way? Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know how it is in the comics. I think he does still keep the wings. I don't want him to have the wings anymore. I want it to literally just be a suit because I want Torres to have the wings. But I want he, 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 he also gets to have gets wings, wings of a different yeah. sort. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't know. But that I didn't. And maybe I don't know the comics. But I was like, I kind of just want it to be a suit to where no, you can be Captain America. This is just to help you be super soldier without being a super soldier. It's a, a, an exosuit, essentially. Like yeah. something to boost his strength and something to maybe yeah. increase his agility. Yeah, I don't think I would... really need wings on it. I think it will have wings on it. But I was like, I kind of want him to move on and be like, you can be your own version of Kev. But then I guess the wings mm. are on him. I don't know. I the just one... want it to be a suit. The one <laughs> thing I don't want is I don't want it to be a suit that comes out of nowhere. Like the nanobots, like the <laughs> the, the Black Panther suit and and... Iron Man suit like I don't want him to be just having gauntlets on and then all of a sudden a suit just comes around him like I want him to actually put something on that's me personally yeah I, I agree with you here well yeah they're not going to give a non-Wakandan like the good stuff this is going to be like, <laughs> something that's your level no like, that's level that was the, the whole most. point of the end of Black Panther 1 is that they are going to give out non uh, to give the technology to non-Wakandans yeah well, they were looking for a Starbucks maybe hosting the Olympics and they got way more than they bargained for so you know I don't th- they may have like pulled back a little bit and like oh maybe maybe we hold off maybe for, maybe for this one um I'm really curious if they ever actually do Bucky as the White Wolf. Like, I know this is like, well, he's a different character. Future spoilers or so many things. Well, because the the White Wolf is essentially like White Panther. You know. Well, I I don't. uh, Maybe I'm thinking of a different character though. I know that the White Wolf was a different character. It wasn't Buck, and it was also. I don't think he was the... A, yeah, it's, it's a different person, yeah. for sure. Was he a good guy? I thought he was a bad guy. I I, I don't read that particular like run of this yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, so all, I. all I have in my mind is that one image of Black Panther and the White Wolf alongside each other, leaping towards the camera like you do. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Do you want them to get to that point, or you don't want them to get no, to that point? No, I don't want that at all. I don't I, think everyone needs to have suits and tech and all these crazy things <laughs> it's okay for there just to be a person we don't have an agent colson anymore the closest we have is a person that we already know has abilities later <laughs> i'm so upset about it um i mean yeah i, I get i get what you're saying and I, I assume you're talking about torres yeah yeah i mean or he, sharon 
Sharon. Yeah, you got Sharon. She but doesn't e- have a bill. Even, even she, even she's involved with the with power, like well, dealing. True. With the sauce. I. My thought is is her phone call is supposed to show like the fact that she's helping the flag smasher is to supposed to show that she is not part of the power broker because the power broker wants to destroy the flag smashers and get his tech back or her tech back. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. I mean she you know she just wants she wants them to stay alive so that she can get a hold of them and take the the power serum out of their blood just like they did with uh with Isaiah. Isaiah, thank you. I don't know. I, I'm I'm super See, torn because I agree with you. She is a person doing her own things through her own means. I just why aren't these the main? Like, there's no main player who's doing this. The closest we have is Hawkeye, but like, dude's got like punching gloves on like, <laughs> uh, on arrows and stuff. He like, does, he's got crazy stuff. This version of the character does not have the punching glove arrow. <laughs> <laughs> don't throw yeah, that on him. <laughs> it's just I I just want one normal person in there otherwise people who watch all the things they're they're not living up to the idea of anyone can wear the mask kind of stuff from mm. spider-man you know but spider-man I, has powers no i get that one but at the at the end of um a, a, of so many things it's that anyone can still represent these ideals it doesn't have True. to be a thing where you're going around trading blows with somebody mm-hmm. i want that okay okay i'm thinking <laughs> uh, i mean Go ahead, I Jessica. Don't, I don't know a lot about it, but I've been looking up a lot of stuff on Girl Girl, and although she has powers, isn't she <laughs> much one that, like, not outsmarts the bad guy, but tries to empathize with mm-hmm. the villain before she has to fight them? Yeah. People, people have been asking for that team in general, yeah. and I would, I would like that very much. Well, they threw Squirrel Girl onto the New Warriors. Like that's that would that became that came that came about because of the TV show that we were supposed to get with the the act. I freak, always forget her name, but the actress that's in those AT and T commercials. She she played Squirrel Girl in a live action version of the New Warriors. Mm. It just never yeah. made it to Mel- TV. Melania Weintraub. Yep, that's her name, Melania. Um, oh. so. Uh, she she also ended up voicing her, I believe, in the animated series. Um, but Squirrel Girl, I think, as of recent, has like in the recent history of ten years, has been the one to empathize with her with the villains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She's always just more been like a because they underestimate her so much. She is able to take down Galactus and Doctor Doom and and <laughs> Thanos yeah. and all the big guys. Like no one thinks that this young woman that can talk to squirrels is going to be able to take them down. But yeah. squirrels are big enough to take a, a horde of squirrels think, is enough. Yeah, and that's what I liked was the one thing I had read about her was how she somehow friended Doctor Doom and convinced him to let her borrow her time machine so that <laughs> he could gather a bunch of squirrels slowly and just attack a compound with a bunch of squirrels, which sounds like an utter nightmare. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just Best like, comics. wait, she just befriended Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like hey can i borrow this <sighs> fine <laughs> you just asked last tuesday oh, come on <laughs> okay you could have it and i just thought that was cute because now i know more about dr doom from the fantastic four series i watched and yeah i'm like she befriended that <laughs> <laughs> now i want to read all the squirrel girl comics so i've got to see if i can get those <laughs> um so yeah, Torres has himself a pair of wings. We'll see if he ends up ends up doing anything with them. Yes, because uh, he's adorable and he needs to stay on. 
we talked about we talked about it before we started recording i think but the the scene where sam and 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 uh bucky are throwing the shield back and forth seemed um out of order to me at least and, and to elizabeth uh because like the scene starts off with the shield being halfway into a tree and then all of a sudden there's pads and then the two of them are playing catch and then he's sam goes into training where he isn't quite catching it as as, as well as they were when they were playing catch but i guess that would be the difference is playing catch and training yeah the playing catch and training and then also if i think about like practicing ball like throwing a baseball you do the little lop thing and then when you're practicing with a fastball <laughs> there's a, there's a difference mm-hmm. and that's what it kind of felt like was they're very casually just throwing it so it's not going as fa- i mean it's going fast but it's not going as fast as it could and then sam's really pushing it to the limit when he's training later so if it does hit him it's gonna knock him out and that's where you get the okay <laughs> like nope I'm gonna try a backflip. Oh, nope. Like, <laughs> I, I like that we saw him do the things that he'll do in a fight in that training montage, where he threw it, caught it, threw it, caught it, all while running towards the presumed bad guy. Right. The and enemy. then also doing the flips and stuff that he would be doing with the wings, yeah. incorporating the shield toss. Well, that was that was cool. Steve would would also do yeah. flips when he's throwing it. Like it's it's just I, I assume mm-hmm. it's just a way to dodge bullets, like because your enemy doesn't know where you're <laughs> going to be at. Um, my because well, that was a good backflip good job <laughs> i was gonna say my 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 take on the training sequence was that he literally just watched a bunch of old videos about how steve fought bad guys and was like okay now i go do that <laughs> like i just That's practice true. what he did <laughs> there, there'd be like a whole youtube dissertations about momentum in captain america's movements and he's just like like that's that's what i picture occurring i I can't wait till you all see taskmaster (laughs) (laughs) uh so with the the box not being opened this the episode ends right with him opening it but us not seeing it our in credit scene is us seeing john walker creating his own captain america shield using his medals of honor to be pounded into uh the shield itself and he's also making uh putting a star on there the version of u.s agent that john walker eventually becomes in the comic books has a black and red and white shield not a blue red white and shield uh if they end up doing that uh, I don't know. That I think that'd be interesting. It's it's definitely a commentary on on where his headspace is and what he believes is right. Um, but throwing the the medals of honor that he already once in the show, show itself talked about, like if they really knew what I had to do to, and they gave me these, they probably wouldn't have given them to me. Like, how does that? I, it's a heavy-handed metaphor. The, the yeah. one thing that they said early on in the episode was that the only thing stopping you from greater repercussions is your past service. He's literally, in this moment, being shielded by the things that it, the army said he did done good. Right. Yeah. He's like, uh, I didn't do good then, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not rewarded for it. I think it's very important that he painted the shield to mirror the old one. Mm-hmm. Because he still sees himself as the good guy. He still sees himself as Captain America. They can't take that from me. I really am Captain America. That's who I am. That is, at this point, his entire identity. And he is in a full-fledged identity crisis. Yes. Which will resolve itself when he changes the colors of his shield. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's what they're gearing up towards. 
I don't think John Walker makes it past this series. This series, I think he ends up dying. I I don't have I that. So. I don't have that. I have no insider knowledge. And in the comic books, he he very much lives on to redeem himself because that's what Marvel Comics does. They they redeem their their villains. Um, but I don't think that the MCU is going to do the same. Like I think the, I, I think he he does not live through through the last episode. I think agreed. I, I don't think he's useful for the MCU past this. Okay. I think they keep him alive to make the Dark Avengers. I'm all for it. No, well, no, just just to keep their options open. Okay. Just to literally keep a couple strings open for anything that they may want to do in the future. Because I don't think they know what they want to do. I think they've got you know a ten year plan, and then they're like, and then we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean that is a, a comic book movie trope to kill off the villain, and uh, and we always want that to change. So. Like look at I mean, he could be the new crossbones. He could yeah. be the new crossbones. That's that's a possibility. I mean, the, the unfortunate thing with the first Black Panther is that we killed off Kill or Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so that's 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 an unfortunate thing. That's why we don't want our villains to die so that they can come back and and have other strings to pull. Be do more bad things. <laughs> do more bad things. Oh, I will say I I liked Zemo in the scene where the Dormelage are about to take him. Um, he actually had a good heartfelt moment in there. And see, they're, they're, a, they're doing work for him. This is yeah. a guy that killed people in explosions and, and you know, killed T'Chaka, but everybody is okay with the rede- redemption of oh, him. No. I, don't, I don't like it. I'm just and, saying they're doing work. They are putting in <laughs> hours to try to redeem this character. That's, that's what I'm saying, is that that's the, the whole point of Marvel Comics. And I don't know that they're really trying to redeem him. I think they are. Because to me, two, two line. Okay. To me, his, this storyline, I don't feel he's redeemed. Like I, I yeah. don't see any good in him. But what I do see is the gray area, and, and I think that's kind of the point. I think. I. Yeah, I definitely think it's the making of a villain. Is yeah. what it is. Oh. What were you about to say, Stephen? What's the two lines? So there's, there's two lines that I think are them trying to redeem him. Whether they're successful or not is very different. But there's the part um, earlier on where he has a whole conversation of saying that it was just a means to an end. And then between that and the thing that he says here, where he's about to be taken away and he says, I don't hold any malice or whatever it is towards you for doing what you think you have to do about a thing that is good right? by giving him up to the Dormelage. Like, I, I think that there's a bunch of different sides and facets to those two lines that they've given him that are them trying to rehabilitate the idea of this character. Again, whether I'm here for it, that's very different, but I think that's what they're supposed to be trying to do. Do you think he was honest in the fact that he said he wasn't, he wasn't planning on killing Bucky? Like, that, wasn't, that was no longer so. in his, his plans? Yeah, or was that I, just- I think he... I think Bucky is Steve to him. Okay. It's like, it's the idea of Steve Rogers passed through the wrongs that he himself as Zemo did. Like it's, it's a dirtied up Steve Rogers. I, I think it's Zemo letting Bucky know that Zemo thinks he's broken the winter soldier programming. Mm. I no longer feel the need to kill you because I no longer think you are the winter soldier. Mm. I think, you, you know, this is me telling you, you succeeded. Okay. 
Any any last thoughts? Anything any any part of the show that you feel we hadn't covered yet? I just wanted to make sure it was clear earlier that it was about the actual boat, not the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you just have to have your own podcast on that, okay? <laughs> Overtime with Steven. <laughs> the joke is about the boat. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did want to mention real quick that um, I love that he goes to that, that when Zemo is at the memorial, um, the words at the bottom are in Cyrillic. And since I've been practicing Russian on Duolingo, although I didn't know most of the words, I could read them because <laughs> I know the alphabet pretty well now. And the last word is Sokovia in Cyrillic. And I'm like, oh, cool. Now what you need to find out what the first parts of it mean, and uh, I'll be able to translate it. I was kind of <laughs> proud of myself there for a moment. There you go. Good job. Cool. I mean, at the end of Age of Ultron, they do so much work in trying to save all those civilians. How many people actually died at Sokovia? Like, we know that the... It's, it's easier to count how many people lived. Yeah. By the I way mean, everyone talks about it. I don't know. I mean, they got a lot of people onto those shield airships. It seems like they saved a lot of people. I'm, it, we know that the one lady's son died because she was a he was a UN rescuer or whatever it was, and that's what starts off Civil War. But and, and at least Zemo's entire family. This so is true. Also, Zemo's entire family like died. Maybe a, maybe a dozen. I mean, at not least. that there shouldn't be a memorial. I'm just wondering how many people actually died. Like, they did so much work at the end of that movie to make sure that civilians were saved. So, I'm just wondering. Like, there was already a war-torn country, as we've seen in WandaVision. Like, yeah. when 137. 137? 77. 177. Okay. Interesting. Some Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom page probably has it written down. Uh, but like I was saying, it, it, WandaVision, we see when Wanda's parents are killed, like that's, it was already a war-torn country. So what was Zemo doing about that with his barren money? <laughs> <laughs> The same things barons and czars have always done. Profit? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, don't feel too bad for him. I don't. Other people. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? If you want to talk to me about the show or anything that we talked about earlier, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Steve, where can people find you online? You've, you can find me all across social media as some version of Peppermint Gentleman for Twitter. That's Peppermint Gent for short. Jessica? You can find me on Twitter as at writes. John? You can find me on Twitter as at Magic Bollocks. And Elizabeth? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Please check out our website, geekelitemedia.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash geeklymedia for exclusive material that you can only get there if you're one of our patrons. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek, out. Out. geek, out. geek out. This concludes our broadcast.